Good morning, folks. I wasn't sure who we'd have here with the bad weather, but you're in for a treat. The Ham Brothers here are leading our worship today. So if you'll stand on your feet, you may know these songs, you may not. Just do your best to sing along with a joyful heart. Take it away, young man. darkness of night, not star was in sight on a highway that leads down below. But Jesus came in and he saved my soul from sin. Hallelujah, I'm ready to go. Hallelujah, I'm ready. I can hear the voices singing soft and low. Hallelujah, I'm ready. Hallelujah, I'm ready to go. Sinners don't wait until it's too late. He's a wonderful Savior, don't you know? Well, I fell on my knees and he answered my plea. Hallelujah, I'm ready to go. Hallelujah, I'm ready. I can hear the voices singing soft and low. Hallelujah, I'm ready. Hallelujah, I'm ready to go. Hear the voices singing soft and low. Hallelujah, I'm ready. Hallelujah, I'm ready to go. night will turn today where the soul of man never dies no sad farewells no tear dim eyes where all is love and the soul of man never dies And I will spend eternity where the soul of man never dies. No sad farewell. 
tear-dimmed eyes Where all is love and the soul of man never dies A love like beams across the foam Where the soul of man never dies It shines to light the shores of crow Where the soul of man never dies No sad farewells No tear-dimmed Just 
You may be seated. Hey, one more thank you for the hand, brothers. Good job, young men. Good job, young men. Now, I'm kind of sort of related to these young men. And I'd love to tell you that the, yeah, kind of, sort of, their mama's grandma and my grandma were some kind of cousins. Don't know how. Some kind of cousins. And, uh, and we're all some kind of cousins around here. You've got to be real careful who you get married to. <laughs> so, some kind of cousins. I would love to tell you that the musical gene is on the shared side that we have, but it is not. That'd be the Bolt side of their family that's super, super incredibly gifted. Uh, it's not the, the side that we share. I, we just, we got the other side. So, actually, I need, I need a couple of volunteers to play a game with me. Who's, who feel, who's feeling Who's feeling good this morning? Let me see. Let me see. I'm look around. I see, I see Matthew. I'm going to get Matthew. And I, see, I see Nick being volunteered by his wife. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor the godly insight of a Proverbs 31 woman. Come on up here, Nick. All right. Katie, I'm going to give this to you. You're going to keep score for me. Okay. All right. Yes. You guys can. Come on, Matthew. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. You can just stand there. I won't make you get up on a stage. Okay. So. I like the shoes. Those are, those are nice, man. Chris, Christmas shoes? Okay, sort of kind of Christmas shoes. Good. All right, so tra- love your shirt. Recreate church shirt. So tragedy has struck. You two guys are stranded on an island. Don't know when you're going to get rescued. You know, it's a good thing y'all get along, mostly. All right, so here's the thing. You don't know when you're going to get rescued. There's no food on this island except you found a bunch of bananas, 40 bananas in this bunch. And you think, I think these bananas will last about 10 days before they go bad, right? About 10 days. So you're thinking, okay, 10 days, 40 bananas, four bananas a day between the both of you. Now, this game is going to determine who gets the bananas, all right? So you know how rock, paper, scissors works? This is kind of like rock, paper, scissors, except you only have two options. You have an open hand. And a closed hand. So let's just practice that. So one, two, three, open. One, two, three, closed. Okay. So here's how it'll work. If one person has a closed hand and one person has an open hand, the person with the closed hand gets all four bananas. Okay. If you both have an open hand, you each get two bananas. If you both have a closed hand... Nobody gets any bananas because while you were arguing, a monkey came by and stole your bananas. Monkey's too fast. Monkey's too fast for you. This is a fast monkey. All right, so Katie's going to keep score for me. We're going to do 10 rounds, right? Okay, okay. You ready to do this? Round one? Okay, ready? Let's do a practice round. Let's practice round. Okay, one, two, three. Oh, look at him. So generous. All right, ready? Round one. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, two and two. All right, put two. Ready? One, two, three. Nobody gets any bananas. Zero for the second round. Okay, one, two, three. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, Matthew gets four bananas. Nick gets zero bananas. All right. All right. One, two, three. Two bananas each. All right. One, two, three. No bananas. <laughs> That's some, that monkey's eating good up in here. All right, one, two, three. 
All right, Nick gets all the bananas for one, two, three. Matthew gets all the bananas. I'm seeing a pattern here. One, two, three. No bananas. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Okay, I, that was weak, but we're going to give it. Okay, two, two bananas. All right. Let's see. Um, that would probably work better. So you're going to make me do the math? Okay. Okay, let's see. Who's player one? Okay, okay, okay. Let's see, two, two, four, six, ten. 16, 18, any math. Uh, 18 bananas for Matthew. Okay. And is that right? Two, and 14 for Nick. And what does that leave? Like eight for the monkey. All right. Thank you to these guys. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Special thank you to Grace for volunteering Nick. Okay. <laughs> thank you for that. I've been dying to use that. I used that with a youth group like in 2002. That's, that's an oldie but a goodie. I've had that in my back pocket for a long time. So um, it's kind of the way the world feels sometimes. That if you have an open hand, what, what will happen? It, it'll be taken from you. And if you have a closed hand, it feels self-protective. It feels like you're holding on to what you have. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. When you hold something too tightly, it'll slip through your fingers. So, um, before Christmas, we were working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And Lord, we're going to get back to that in a couple of weeks. But we're looking at something I call the principle of overflow. And it's rooted in that famous line in the 23rd Psalm. My cup runneth over. My cup runs over. Over And it's a symbolic way of expressing how God blesses us beyond our capacity and we're overflowing. What, what do we overflow with? Well, some of the nice ones that come to mind, you know, things like joy, things like peace, and we're overflowing. Yeah, ever had a day when you know you should be falling apart, but you're not? And you know the Lord has given you this overflow of joy. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Last week we talked about time, an overflow of time. I don't know about anyone else but I often feel like I don't have enough time. But God can bless you. Can bless your time in ways you don't expect. You don't think you have time, but when you're walking in God's light, you can have time you don't realize. And I thank you guys for praying for me. I mentioned last week that I'm, I'm in grad school now, and uh, thank you for your prayers. Somehow the time has mostly worked out, and I'm, I'm going through it. So keep up those prayers for me. It's a, it's a big thing to try to take on right now, but now's the time to do it. But of course, when we think about our cup running over, it's probably not time that we're sort of hoping that we have too much of. What is that commodity we would love to have just too much of? Come, y'all shy about, are we supposed to say money now? <laughs> are we allowed to talk about that, preacher? Um, yes. It's, it's uh, reso- you know, money, resources. Uh, we, we would like the Lord to overflow us with resources. That's a tough one, you know. Uh, last week I shared with you the only way to sustainably give of anything is to have a cup that is overflowing or at least refilling. If you keep dipping out of the cup, what happens to the cup eventually? 
cup's empty. So that cup's got to be refilling, refilling all the time. Um, now, of course, that's not an excuse to stop giving of your time or your resources or your energy. But we do need to rethink what it means to overflow. Um, we, we have a hard time recognizing when we have overflow, when we have something to give. And the thing I want to take home for you to take home in your hearts today is that you are blessed in order to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're not just blessed and you're the dead end. You're blessed to be a blessing. You think there's too mu- such a thing as too much money? Too much money? Uh, well, when we say yes, we would say yes. We think of probably millionaire athletes and say, ah, they make too much money. Or billionaire business people. Say, what? What do they need all that money for? We probably never look at ourselves and say, doggone, I'll be doggone, I got too much money. I need to get rid of some of this. Let me, give, let me just get rid of this. I don't need all this. And uh, when, if you've ever had times when your financial situation, God has blessed you and, and you have some overflow, what is, what is kind of the typical reaction when we have some overflow? We find something for it to flow into. When God fills our cup, we kind of have a tendency to go get a bigger cup to, to account for this overflow to, well, to spend it because it's, it's there. We make more, so we spend more. And when we make more and spend more, we don't have the overflow anymore, and we rob ourselves of the ability to bless other people. You are blessed to be a blessing. The Lord led me to a verse this week I don't think I've ever used in preaching. It's Proverbs 21, 20. It goes like this. I want to read it twice, and I want to pray for us. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Once again, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll teach us something now about the blessings that you send our way and how we should be wise about it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you keep up with such things, the title of this message is Oil and Treasure, or you could call it Blessed to be a Blessing. God blesses us all with some oil and some treasure. So what's this mean? What's this oil here? It's, it's not engine oil. Although, have you bought any motor oil lately? It might as well be treasure. Look, I ain't that old, but I remember where you can get cheap oil for a dollar and nine cents a quart at a gas station. So maybe I am old, actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's like five dollars a quart now for the good stuff. The the oil, the Beverly Hill, what's that? They just shoot the Beverly Hillbilly shot the ground, and up came up from the ground came the bubbling crude. The fact that we know that does not. The fact that we're making a Beverly Hillbilly's reference right now, Billy, does not speak to us being youthful. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's not the oil. It's not the oil in the fryers at McDonald's. And speaking of oil, if corn oil is made of corn, what is baby oil made of? Don't know. Never had that answered. The oil in this particular case was olive oil. We use olive oil. We think of that as like the the fancy cooking oil. And um, my beautiful wife may have married a hillbilly, but she's a little bougie when it comes to oil. A little bougie when it comes to oil. We have the very finest olive oil 
of that great value makes. <laughs> the very finest great value brand olive oil, food line brand olive oil. And um, it's in a, she even has this cool little spray bottle thing. So we don't have to buy cooking spray. So just spray it. We have, now back in Jesus' day, olive oil wasn't the bougie oil. It was just basic. That's, that's all there was. It was the cooking oil that they had. And they used it all the time. It was a basic necessity of life. Everybody had olive oil. You had to. There was no other oil. And they used it in, in everything. They used it in cooking, obviously. Uh, they used it medically. They used it like an ointment, very dry, dusty place. So they would anoint their skin with oil. You'd put oil um, on, on your skin. Um, and they would use it in medicine. They would use it in offerings to the Lord. Oil was an everyday provision, an everyday thing. And maybe that's the meaning here. If you've ever known what it's like to worry about your basic needs being met, we get that. I get that for sure. Uh, we've gone through some, some crazy tough times Times where we weren't sure how it was going to work and how it certainly wouldn't have worked without some help of some good friends. And here's what I've learned along the way. Everybody wants to see miracles. Oh, I would love to see a miracle. What I've found is you rarely see a miracle until you are desperate. You don't see miracles until you're in a position where you need one. And that is an uncomfortable place to be in a place where you need a miracle. And if you don't have a miracle, it's over. So just keep that in mind when you're, when you're thinking, oh, I'd love to see a miracle. Well, seeing a miracle and desperately needing one, that's two different experiences. My family and I, we've endured a, a lot of desperation. So we've seen some miracles. And I can tell you, if you give God your daily needs, he'll meet them. He didn't send his son to save your soul. And then just let you starve to death. He will take care of you. He will. Oil can also mean something else. It's used in anointing in the Bible. Oil was mixed with fragrances and, and used to anoint people for special service to God. In the Old Testament, kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Prophets were anointed. They would anoint the altar and the sacred objects in the temple to set them apart for God because they were a part of what God was doing. I want you to understand that you are meant to be a part of what God is doing. Maybe you're not anointed in the sense like King David was, that someone is physically putting some olive oil on you, but you're anointed to be a part of what God is doing. You are going to be given opportunities to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. You see, that oil and that treasure in your house is not just for you. Now, somebody's thinking, well, that sounds a little bit like communism, preacher. You preaching communism? No, I am not. What I am preaching is, we might call it covenantism. It's, an, uh, it's the understanding that we know where it comes from. We know where our blessings come from, and we know it comes from God, and we're not going to be the last link in the chain. We're not going to be the dead link in the chain. We're not going to be the, the, the end of the flow. We're not going to be the dead end of the street. We're not going to be the dead sea that stuff flows in but doesn't flow out. We're more like the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, it flows in and it flows out and the Sea of Galilee is full of fish. 
the Dead Sea. The water flows in, but it does not flow out. There's no outlet. It all evaporates, and it is dead. We are meant to be the Sea of Galilee, not the Dead Sea. We are meant to be a blessing. Every good thing that we have comes from God, and it is meant to be used for His purposes. Your treasure is a trust. So let's talk about that treasure. Um, in the Bible, the word treasure, this particular Hebrew word, is used in the ways you'd, be, you'd expect. It can refer to like silver and gold, but it can also refer to anything you have stockpiled against the future. Um, when me and my brother moved out, my parents turned our old room into what we called at the time the Y2K room because it was about that time like filled up with all these canned goods and stuff and paper goods and like are you ready now we'd call it the I guess the pandemic room because you got all this stuff you know mom and dad hey James and Cynthia ain't gonna go hungry they're ready they're ready so we just have like a Y2K corner of our closet, like a little COVID corner of our closet where we've got some like dry beans and stuff that's about all we got but anything that you stockpile against a future need would be considered treasure. If the oil is the, what we need today, the treasure is what we might need in the future. Is a preparation against some need that you don't necessarily know of right now. Treasure is beyond the basic needs of the day. So treasure is kind of a, an overflow. It's an overflow. You don't need it today. You might need it tomorrow or in the future or somebody might need it. It's an overflow. Proverbs tells us that a wise man has an overflow of resources. He holds on to something for future needs. Or, get this, to meet a need that God presents to them. He doesn't spend everything. Now, I get what it's like to, to feel like you need every penny that comes your way. We get that, absolutely. But what we've also found is when you spend everything that comes in, what do you do when your car breaks down? Have you felt that? The unexpected stuff. Like, hey, we're doing good, we're doing great, and then boom, medical bill. Hey, I think we're about to make it. Nope, somebody needs dental work. Hey, I think we're almost above water. Time to pay the taxes. It's all the time. There's always something. We, we have to be prepared against that. And God may show us somebody who needs our help. And if we don't have anything put aside, we can't, we can't help them. And that's something I'm praying about. I, I pray the Lord will, make, will put something in my hand that I can bless others with. We do that as much as we can. We have, like a, we have like this thing. I don't know if we ever like technically agreed upon it, but our unagreed, our, our un stated like arrangement is when the lord blesses our family with something we didn't expect we kind of tuck it away we have what we call the envelope don't come to my house and look for the envelope okay there's not that much in it there's real it's not worth pulling a b and e charge for what's in our envelope but i'm saying the little bit of extra we get it goes in the envelope and that is for unexpected stuff or if there's a need that we need to meet if there's somebody who's in need that's what it's there for. And we don't touch it. We don't touch it. Now, that might mean there's not Dr. Pepper money some weeks. And let me tell you, that's a hardship. Now, if it starts 
encroaching on the coffee money, we're really going to have to do some hard praying. If the Lord says no coffee one week, then we're, we'll, we'll do it, but I don't want to do it. I'm caffeinated for y'all's protection, folks. Think about that. Mm-hmm. It ain't for me. I ain't drinking a coffee for me. It's for my wife and kids. That's, that's what it is. Good old coffee, America's favorite culturally permissible addictive psychotropic substance. Anyway, there's something here that we need to remember. Nothing we have is truly ours forever. It's only ours for now. And I don't care what it is. It's only yours for now. You came into this world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. You can't take anything with you. They can put it in the coffin, but you, that it's not going to work. It's not going to go with you. So it's what you do with what you have while you have it that makes the difference. You choose every day to have an open hand or a closed hand every day. And it's not just one group that makes this. It talks about the wise man here, how the wise man has treasure and oil. But the foolish man had it too. Because it says, but a foolish man squanders it. You can't squander it if you never had it in the first place. He had it at one point. But he just, he squandered it. He used it unwisely. This word for squander means to consume. It means to, to eat it up. Sometimes in the scriptures it's just used to describe something being gobbled up. It's amazing how much money you can waste on snacks. Um, when I was working down the mountain, I would stop at Sheets almost every day. I love that gas station and all the good stuff they have there and my wife is in the front row shaking her head i know how much you spent there that's right see look it's just look i didn't mean to waste 20 bucks on on dr pepper slim jim's beef jerky and those good oots sour cream and onion ripple potato chips thank you jesus for old man oots and his recipe i didn't mean to spend 20 bucks on all that junk it was it was a snacks event it was a snacks a dent. <laughs> See, spending whatever we get is ingrained in our culture. We are a consumer culture. By and large, if we get it, it goes back out. When our financial cup overflows, we go get ourselves a bigger cup or a bigger house or a bigger car or somehow whenever we get a little more we find a way to spend a little more by and large there's exceptions but by and large as americans as people we tend to spend what we get and when people get richer they start finding more extravagant ways to spend their money and we would say if i was ever rich i wouldn't spend my money on this stupid stuff well you don't know yet do you unless one of y'all is a secret billionaire and uh hey may the lord bless you with that maybe give maybe give you wisdom um when katie and i were first married um god gave us an opportunity to prove what we would do with blessings now for a while i made some really really good money i was in a sales position and you know when you're selling stuff and you're selling it you make a lot of money what happens when you aren't selling it you you don't 
but it was really good. And I made some financial decisions based on the idea that the good money was going to keep coming in. And, and uh, you know, nothing crazy. Didn't go buy a yacht. Didn't go buy a car. I think we bought like a vacuum cleaner, like one of those rainbow vacuum cleaners. It's so great. The payments are so low when you've got the money. Some cordon blue pans. Those are good. We still got them, but probably shouldn't have bought them. Probably some more stuff. And, and I made some financial decisions based on the good times. And then when the good times dried up, it was much harder. Now, you notice I keep using the word I and not we because my wife was smarter than this. And she's like, I don't know about this, sweetheart. I don't know if we need to do this. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm making the good money now. And I was for a little while. The big money stopped coming in and the big money bills kept on coming. So we, we learned that lesson. But each new season brings new lessons. We knew what it was like to be in a financial hard spot because of our bad decisions. But how many of you know that it's not always your bad decisions that put you in a financial hard spot? We went through a lot of medical bills that put us in a financial hard spot. Let me, I got to give God some glory here this morning about this miracle. Now, don't, don't clap too soon for this. You need to cheer, just not yet. In 10 days, 10 days from today, will be the 10th anniversary of, of Katie's most dramatic health event. I have to say most dramatic because we've had quite a few dramatic ones. About every five or six years, she has some brush with death. But this was the most dramatic one. She fell out in the floor, lost like seven units of blood internally, and lived to tell the tale. Weren't sure that was going to happen. I'm going to say to God be the glory because this is a miracle right here. Now you can cheer. This is a miracle right here. Come on, sweet pea. Yeah, it's a miracle, absolute miracle. I could have been widowed 10 years now, and ain't nobody else going to have me. I already know that. It's all right. I am a, I'm a chore to live with. But 10 years, <laughs> 10 years, and actually she was sick for a good six months before that. And then for about the last year, she's felt pretty good. So around 10 years of like constant medical bills, and it's, it's been tough. And, and we, we know what it's like and praise god it's it seems like we're turning the corner until something breaks um so pray for pray for our vehicles and everything because we're, we're it seems like we're turning the corner but i just want you to know we we get it we get it we know what it's like for there to be nothing left when all the bills are paid we know what it's like for there to be nothing left before all the bills are paid but here's what we have seen god will take care of us God will take care of you. And something that I had to learn along the way, and I'm still learning this, is there have been points in my life that if God had blessed me with more, I would not have been wise with it. I would have made a mess with it. I, did not, I, did, I could not have handled the blessing. I wasn't mature enough to handle the blessing. It's, it's like if you give um, a little kid a big truck, you know, if you give a six-year-old an F-350 and just give him the keys to turn it loose, it's tragedy waiting to happen. God could not have blessed me um, without me using it poorly. And my prayer is that I would become the kind of guy that can be trusted with blessing. That God would never have to hold anything back that he would like to bless me with because of my immaturity. I, th I think that's a good prayer. That's a wise prayer. So... We like to tell ourselves that we're super good with money. We all say we're good with money. It's other people who aren't good with money. But, but most people 
we might get some stuff right, but we get some stuff, some stuff wrong. Um, we're usually guilty of, of being irresponsible with it and just spend it too much or of holding it too tightly. That's another problem too. Holding it too tightly. Our, our culture has a big problem when it comes to oil and treasure. We have this idea that everything we get is just for us. We have the assumption it's all for our consumption. And that really works well for some people. It works really good for Jeff Bezos. You know who Jeff Bezos is? That's the Amazon guy. It's the guy who founded Amazon. He is very happy when you spend all your money. Amazon Prime, he'll send you anything you want and get it here in two days. And I'm, hey, I'm thankful for things we can order, but Amazon's making like $10,000 a second. So in that pause after that period, he, they made like $50,000. That's a lot of money. We've made Jeff Bezos a very rich man. And he ain't the only one who wants us to spend everything we get. Do you think the devil wants you to have anything left over? No. Now let me be clear. The devil does not mind you having money. So long as you use it in a selfish way or a wasteful way. The devil doesn't want you to have any overflow. He doesn't want you to have anything to share. Not money to give. Um, he wants you to hold on to it. Or consume it. The devil does not want you to be a blessing whether you got $10 or $10 million. And then there are some sins that become much more accessible when you get some money. It's like that young man who gets a good job for the first time and he's got all this money. And I think to myself, if this young man, young man does not spend his money on a truck or a girl, he'll be all right. And that's usually the case. But then again, there's some mean stuff you can get into if you've got enough money. Jesus once told a story about uh, a young man who got some money in his pocket and he was very unwise with it. One of the most famous stories he ever told. Once was a young man who was eager for his inheritance and he went to his father and asked, could we please split up the inheritance now? Which is a, a shorthand way of saying, Dad, you're waiting too long to die. If you're, gonna, if you're not going to die anytime soon, let's go ahead and have the inheritance now. Now the father, for his own purposes, went along with this, and he decided to split up the inheritance while he was still living. So he split it between his two sons, and he must have been fairly well off because both boys received quite a bit. So now the dad technically owns nothing. He has divided it all. It now belongs to his sons. The older son did the seemingly responsible thing. He stayed with the family farm, and he grew the business. The younger son, the one whose idea this was in the first place, he got all of his inheritance in money and he went out um, to the big city and he started living the good life as he saw it. And if you've heard the story of the prodigal son, you know how that went. It was fun while it lasted, but it didn't last. And pretty soon he was out of money and the economy in the region crashed and he couldn't get a job and... The only thing he could find was feeding some pigs. And assuming this young boy was Jewish, that would have been like the last thing he ever wanted. And they must not have been paying him so well because he didn't have enough money for food. And he was so hungry that he had his wake-up call when the pig slop started looking pretty good. And he thought to himself, man, the lowest servant in my, on my dad's farm eats better than this. 
So he decides to go home and he has this big speech prepared for his dad. Oh, dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Could I just come back and work for you? I know I'm, not, I'm done. I've got my part out of the wheel. It's already done with. I know I will never have that. Turns out the father, love it. The father was waiting for his return and welcomed him with open arms. And though he didn't have more inheritance to give, but he was so happy to see him. And he threw this big party and said, hey, get a ring for his finger. Get a fancy robe on his back. Go kill the fatted calf. Let's have a big feast. Hooray, it's a party. Except, technically, legally speaking, who owns the robe and the ring and the fatted calf? Who does that all belong to, technically speaking? The older brother. And he comes home, and he finds out, and he is mad. He is livid. He cannot believe his father would be so generous toward the son who wasted his inheritance. Not only that... But it is his resources that are being used to throw this lavish party for this no good boy. He didn't want to open his hand. And at the end of the story, we see something strange. In the beginning, it was the younger son who was at odds with his father, who was being disrespectful toward his father. But at the end of the story, the younger son had turned back to his father. And the older son, the one who seemed like he did it right the whole time, he was the one who was at odds with the father. Not because he wasted it like the younger son did, but because he held it too tightly. That's why. Both of these things are a problem. They both had a wrong attitude. The things that God blesses us with, this oil and treasure, we can neither waste it nor can we be tight-fisted with it. We, we assume that it's the, ma- the amount that we have that sets us apart. But it is not. It is not the amount of money you have. It is the obedience with that money. If you got 50 cents or you got 50 billion, you can honor God or not honor God with it. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, there's always enough to trust God. There's always enough to be a blessing to somebody else. We are blessed to be a blessing. Remember the story of the poor widow in the Bible who gave her last two little pennies? That's all she had. It was nothing after that. But she gave it. Now, for most of us in this area, the, the problem of, of having so much money and trying to hold ourselves back from buying a fleet of yachts it's not really our struggle. It's not been my struggle. I'm just trying to hold back from buying a bag of beef jerky, which is like 10 or $12 a bag now. That's what I got my wife for Christmas, just beef jerky. So I, this, is, this is the finest thing they had at the, on the end cap at Food Line. Sweet Baby Ray's spicy beef jerky. That was, blew the whole budget on that right there. Yeah, she got it good, ain't she, folks? No, <laughs> most of us don't have that. If you if you know struggle, I know struggle. One of my big financial goals, okay, one of my goals for myself is that I no longer do a double take when I see abandoned furniture on the side of the road. Like I could I could fix that right up. You know, we used to. <laughs> Isabel can verify this. We used to drop um, a kid off at the apartments over there, and there would always be some like end table or something over by the dumpster at the Westview Terrace Apartments, and I would start driving real slow, like, I think I could fix it. She would say, no, Dad, do not get out and get something from the, from the dumpster at the apartments. You know, so someday I'll, I'll get there. 
A lot of folks around here grew up with a scarcity mentality. That when you know what it's like to struggle, you maybe feel like there's, there's just not going to be enough, so we've got to hold on to it. Or, or, oh, I've got something now, so I better spend it before it's gone. You know, uh, 10 years of financial hardship, I kind of worry about how it's going to affect my kids in the long run. Scarcity mentality can make us afraid to let go of anything if you grew up with very little or it can mean as soon as you get something, whew, we're going to spend it because we don't know if it's going to be here tomorrow. Both of those things are not good. Folks, this, this is not a money message. Not really. Uh, people say churches just want your money. Um, but did anybody ask for your money today? Did a plate even come down your row? We don't have any offering plates. We don't have any offering buckets. In the history of Recreate Church, we've never once passed an offering plate. We've always just had boxes. And people give or they don't give as the Lord leads them. And that's, there's nothing that's going to change that. We don't want your money. We want your heart. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you do with what you have been blessed with, with your treasure, is a reflection of where your heart is. God don't need your money, but he wants your heart. So keep that in mind as you use whatever he has blessed you with. God gives us all the ability to share, even if just a little. We have overflow we don't recognize. We don't see that we have something to give. <coughs> and I understand that because it often feels like we don't, we don't have too much. We don't have all that much. We don't have extra. Or it doesn't feel that way. But may, maybe some of our problem is not that God hasn't blessed us enough. It's just we've tied it up in something else. We've, we've went and got the bigger cup. So we don't have overflow anymore because we got a bigger cup. Or we've we've um, made financial commitments to things that aren't good or, or we just can't stop going to sheets after work and spending 10 or 20 bucks on junk. I'm getting a little better at that. But I will at least now call her and say, hey, sweetheart, would you like me to bring you a diet, a diet Mountain Dew? And if she says yes, then it's she's the one who sent me to sheets. If she says no, I'll say, are you sure, honey? And she'll say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. All right, there's the sign, Lord, that I'm not supposed to go to sheets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. Look, here is, this is better than advice. This is, this is biblical truth. The wise keep a margin. It is wise to put something away, to not spend all you get, even if it is hard not to. Even if you've got to do without a little bit because you never know what emergency is coming down the road and you never know what, what person God's going to put in front of you that has a need and you won't be able to meet it. God has blessed you to be a blessing. And if you're afraid, if you're afraid to give, remember this, you can't outgive a God who gave His Son. God gave the best He had. He gave Jesus Christ for us. You can't outgive that. Try him. Trust a God who was willing to give himself to you and see what he won't give you. Trust him with everything you got. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, you've blessed us more than we know. We have overflow we don't even recognize. So I pray in Jesus' name that you will please open our eyes to our blessings. Open our eyes to the folks that we can help. Open our eyes to the fact that we need to be obedient with 
our treasure, obedient with what you have given. Lord, I, I pray that you'll teach us more and more to be people who you can trust with blessings because we won't just spend it all or we won't just hold it tightly, but we'll use it to make a difference in this world, to help people in need, to fund things that should be funded. God, thank you so much for loving us and sending us Jesus. And I pray that everybody listening to this, if they have not already, will trust in Jesus as Savior and trust you with their whole lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am so glad to have you all here today. I wasn't sure who we'd have with the weather being kind of right on the edge. This has been a good turnout today. Bless y'all. Lord willing, next week we're going to finish up this series on overflow. And we'll do maybe the toughest one for me is energy. Because y'all say, well, what do you look pretty energetic up there. On Sunday mornings I am, but on Sunday afternoons, do not ask my wife what happens as soon as I hit my chair. That all the energy's gone and I'm asleep. But I can't do that because I'm in school now and I got to study. So y'all pray for me and I'll pray for you. Thank you so much to the Ham Brothers once more. Thank you so much to Matthew and Nick for being good sports up here and not letting the monkey have all the bananas. I hope you all have a wonderful, blessed week, and we'll see you next time.